1: Hi folks, uh, you're listening to Sot Talk Radio. Sorry for that, we had a little technical glitch with uh, our mics, but we're all good now in the studio. Welcome to another show of on Sot Talk Radio. I'm Neil Bradley, and with me this evening, the re- regular host, Joe Quinn. Hi there. And joining us again is Harrison Keeley. Hi. So, today is the Equinox. From now on, it's dark winters for us up here in the Northern Hemisphere. We've had a pretty interesting week, um, keeping an eye on what happened in Scotland, uh, among other things. So I think we should start from there. I mean, it's pretty blatant to me that Scotland was robbed, pure and simple. Well, I wouldn't say it's pure and simple, but the main sentiment that we're basing our assertion that the the outcome of the referendum was rigged is simply that uh, the overwhelming number of people visible in the campaign itself were in favor of independence. Um, To really look at some of the, the actual details of who was supposed to have said yes and no, the city of Dundee, for example, uh, although it was one of those uh, just four, I think, four districts in the whole of Scotland that actually had a, officially a majority vote, um, It is still a slim result for Dundee where if you ask anyone from there, <laughs> would they have voted no, you'd probably get a, a small minority It's traditionally would always have said yes to something like this. But it extends beyond even just those places that did decide on yes to independence. Um, Scots have always been fiercely independent, given this opportunity. And not just based on national pride, it's based on a very well put together yes campaign that argues successfully, in our opinion, that This this wasn't about nationalism, per se. This was about uh, breaking with the status quo because of how narrow it has become in the UK. I mean, when you have the entire political establishment and every single media outlet on the entire island, except for one in Scotland, all saying the same tune, have not got a situation where people can can be heard at least not in the mainstream and this the reason for high turnout could only ever have been this situation basic form of protest vote and the way, it's the ultimate way of saying no, we've had enough. We' asked to believe that people turned out in record numbers in order to stay with the status quo they just didn't fly. It flies in the face of reality and uh general public opinion as well. And I mean, obviously there's no way to get a definitive uh understanding of what or a definitive idea of what people think on any given issue, but uh you can get a general idea from uh, you know, social media and common sense. <laughs> social media <laughs> Social media, but also comments. Anybody who comments on uh, the articles on, for example, mainstream newspapers, you know, right from right wing kind of gutter rags like (laughs) the Daily Mail in the UK um, to, suppose, lefty the Guardian, Independent, um, and on Scottish newspapers as well. Um, Over the course of several months, you generally get an impression of the quantity. Uh, of people uh, the number of people who um, you know feel kind of more or less one way or the other and here what I'm talking about specifically is you know, in the political arena and uh, in terms of their attitude towards politicians and their attitude towards the kind of stuff that's going on in the political world even Russia out of it for a moment but domestically in the UK there I think the vast majority of people are well, maybe not the vast but certainly the majority of people you know, 60-70% of people pretty much think that politicians are a bunch of crooks, uh, that uh, they're all kind of, you know, warmongering elites who are in it just to, you know, line their own pockets. A majority of people think that way, I think, um, or certainly express those kind of opinions, you know. Um, Even on right-wing God Save the Queen uh, newspaper websites like the Daily Mail, for example, I've noticed over the past you know, six, seven months that even those readers are are very much anti-establishment. Uh, you know, And this is even with a, a, a conservative, because these are conservative voters, conservative government in power with uh, David Cameron. They're all very critical, generally speaking, of uh, politicians, that they're all crooks, etc. So that's in the UK. Now, if you translate it up to Scotland, where Scottish people... The majority of scottish people traditionally don't like the english have a good reason not to like the english and are fiercely nationalistic see themselves as scottish like scotland um you know see scotland as a as an independent country um it just yeah like you're saying it does not make sense whatsoever that given the opportunity to vote for independence and giving given the strong arguments that were made for an independent Scotland, because despite what the media was trying to portray, the the No campaign did not win out in their arguments against uh, independence. You know, if you listen to the arguments, uh, the average person would more than likely have decided that, well, you know, there might be a few negatives, but the positives of independence uh, outweigh those. So... And you can bet that a vast majority of people in Scotland, the vast majority of people in Scotland were listening to those debates and did inform themselves on the basics. We know they were. There was one instance where, if you like, the mainstream gave a fairish platform to both sides. There was one series of three televised debates between the Scottish National Party leader Alec Cummins and I think Alistair Darling, who's actually a Labour um, shadow minister in London, to scots so the british tory government sent him up to represent the great reasons why you should stay with london yeah. he trounced them. a salmon trounced him and people all agreed on that again it's another if you're looking at a kind of a poll or a snapshot of what most scots thought they agreed that he won the debate three nil
0: uh
1: that was the one instance it absolutely flies in the face of of common sense yeah. and logic, and in this case, social social media and common sense do actually do apply. Apply, and in fact, you know they applied in the uh, they applied in in the case where that reference is taken from uh, from the U.S. State Department talking about their evidence for Russian uh, R- Russian military presence in in eastern Ukraine. Of course, you have to make sure that you that your social media and common sense. Well, first of all, that your social media is reporting accurate facts. In that case, social media is good. And secondly, that your common sense is functioning properly, because some people 's common sense doesn 't function properly, and uh, some people the state Department some people is high up there <laughs> Yes, and some people don 't have it at all
2: well and in this case, um, using social media, social media should be able to give somewhat of an idea of social trends things going on, so it makes sense that we 'd be able to get an idea of what 's going on in Scotland and with Scottish people. Uh, like comparing that to the U.S. State Department using social media to have to provide evidence of military invasion and and things like that. And the the actual evidence they provided, which were, you know, uh, some green pictures and random tweets that, you know, anyone could make up and forge. It just that flies in the face of common sense to use social Mm -hmm. media that way. Yeah. Well, what actual analysis were done of the kind of
1: traffic Um. Not just number of likes and number of uh, campaign pages you you chose to affiliate with, but the interaction—who mm-hmm. kind of who was saying what—they did all kinds of breakdowns. So there were different groups coming out with reports all through the summer, yeah. and hands down, I mean, the chatter online Absolutely. in Scotland was yeah. at it
0: least was. two I mean,
1: to one, exactly two overall. to one,
0: yeah.
1: And uh, it's just people. Maybe people don't understand, don't know, but I mean. If you've ever been in Scotland, if you know anything about Scotland, people in Scotland, like I said, are strongly, fiercely nationalistic. They see themselves as country Over the past, you know, several months—in fact, it's been a few years—but it's been building up over the past several months. They've had uh, this intense um, media information campaign in Scotland uh, in terms of both sides—the yes and the no camp—and the yes camp have, have uh, put forward all of the arguments why Scotland would be better off, better off on its own. And they they were pretty much, uh, you know, well, they presented pre- pretty convincing arguments yeah. that, that that would be the case. Now, if you combine that, that they've convinced people, the average person who, you know, first of all, is predisposed to, to, to the idea of independence, at least, you know, in the back of their mind type of thing, because they see themselves as Scottish, because it's, they see it as a separate country. Someone like that then getting the added argument of uh, we could actually be better off on our own. Who think again, that the majority of those people, as they say fifty four percent as they claim, <clears throat> would have turned around and said, No, we want to remain a part of the UK. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Well, I only learned this after the referendum. Some of the scare tactics uh that were coming from London were just unbelievable. Uh the first one that comes to mind is this food scare. They they said that Scottish secession from the UK would immediately cause widespread sudden inflation, particularly with relation to food and retail prices. But actually, that is not that much news to me. I remember when um, countries were thinking about joining the euro, that was always a common fear. And likewise, when it came to rejecting anything Brussels said, they would typically say, well, if you don't join inflation, there were other threats specifically from banks. Deutsche Bank um, came out and threatened that there would be... Uh, I think I think they they, they joined the food scare specifically saying that Scotland could expect widespread inflation. I'm not sure why, because the, the Yes campaign were officially going to be keeping the same currency but of course they weren't using logic here with people um there were so many dirty tricks there's of course people know harry potter the author of harry potter i think she's english but she lives in scotland she gave a million pounds to the no campaign for something to remain in the uk and then there was some kind of like began with Abuse being given to her online, supposedly by people on the yes side. Well, somebody there did an investigation and found that these accounts that were being used to hurl abuse at her were actually fictitious accounts. And an SNP leader said they were in all likelihood part of a dirty tricks campaign. And she cited a report going back a year by a now dead Scottish Nationalist called Margot Macdonald, who warned in June. 2013, and indirectly the Scottish people, in an article was published in the Sunday Herald, the only Scottish, the only British publication that was in favour of independence, saying that the British security services, i.e. MI5, MI6, GCHQ, which is NSA, would probably be all over this referendum. She knew this because historically, it is a fact. That the SNP was long since infiltrated by MI5. Further, she added, the actual Yes campaign is in all probability infiltrated. Of course, it is. I mean, it's not news to us, but it's still when you when you look to a lot of these people after the fact, the referendum's over, and the shock and the horror. I mean, this is part of the the information that would help people to understand how this impossible thing happened. Scotland to what they've always want. Yeah, well, it's, it would actually be remarkably easy to uh, steal the vote, essentially, because what happens was you have all these polling stations all around in towns and villages and stuff in Scotland, and people go in with their they've got previously. Um, uh, they don't have to take that. The ballot card just tells them where they should go. They don't even have to take that. Bottle. They just appear. With no ID whatsoever, they just walk into the local station, and uh, they get their name and address, and they're given a ballot paper, uh, and then they go and they put it in a box, and they put it in in the, in the ballot box. And the, the day when those all of those those ballot boxes, each polling station, are taken to a central uh, a central county venue. In the case of, I think it was Glasgow or in the big cities, it was a massive kind of hangar, uh, which was which was uh, which is kind of cordoned off. I think the, according to the Russian uh, observers who were there, said it was like 100 meters by 300 meters. They're talking there about like a hangar-sized area. Mm. So, um, although the, supposedly the, there are 32 uh, venues in Scotland, but for big cities like uh, Glasgow or Edinburgh, there are areas. You know, it's more, Scotland's broken up uh, thirty-two kind of legislative or local councils or uh, areas. You know, so we just had their counting station. Basically, the ballot boxes come from all different polling stations, or and they're collected into these counting uh, venues in the counting venue. Or more than one person kind of venue, who somebody has to receive all the boxes. And someone like Glasgow, where there's you know half a million people, um, there's potentially you know upwards of kind of notes coming in and boxes um, into the area, the receiving area, and then the kind of so it's a very good point to reach, uh, ballot boxes with pre-prepared ballot boxes with in the right in the right box of course you need someone else because supposedly the, the county stations there's some large type of thing they have to that the number of papers are a match with the tally given from the polling station how many papers were given out mm-hmm. but again it's hard for someone to say yeah that uh, checks out so you're really only
0: and
1: there are 32 venues, but there's major metropolitan areas, which for accounted for more than 50%. They saw, they couldn't say, oh, that's an irregularity, but it's regular compared with past reference and elections we've seen. There are a lot of, other words, there were standard basic things missing. The boxes were not sealed. There was no specific slip with that box saying, hi, this is stamped because it came from X polling station. Oh, good. It's received. We crossed that off. And they weren't able to observe this. Specific process and action. Every vote has to be accounted for at every step of the way. It was wide open for manipulation. Basically, it was wide really open. I mean, and now you produce these absurdities like only a turnout of yeah. seventy-five <laughs> percent. You would have had a hundred in that place. Because they, they of course, show up in the official result. That they were mm. the ones who said no. Sorry, yes, most fervently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, the Dundee result is just. It's not. It's not credible. They're saying that barely one in two people. in mm-hmm. <laughs> it Just it just doesn't make any sense. Um, now, uh, the British press is having a field day with the fact that the only observer, international observers, to speak out to say anything, to, to say anything about it, not to criticize or to think favorable. Nobody said, "Oh, went well." We've only heard from the Romans. So, British. So I feel they, oh, it's the Russians, you see, you see, that they went, went over because of the way we've criticized Russian elections in the past. be so easy to dismiss. They are accredited observers. They've been there in many countries before, and they're saying to you, there are some very basic things not applied here. Yeah, yeah it didn't live to international standards. We exactly. should be able to walk around, look at the shoulders of every, at every stage of what everyone's saying. Oh, this box is coming in. Okay, it's going here. She's counting, and I can see it. And yes, left, right, the no. Uh,
2: they couldn't see it. Well, what's... take it on faith. It's funny, I, I was talking to another SOD editor today, telling me about Mexican elections, which are notoriously rigged or have been. And uh, it's it's so common knowledge that they've got little nicknames, little terms for each of the different types of uh, fraud that is committed. And coincidentally there's so far has been pretty much all of these techniques being used, like the um the carousel around voting where you've got multiple though so there were at least uh reported incidents of people coming to polling stations and being told that they'd already voted they'd already cast their vote and you know they say it's only been ten, but the fact there're any at all is suspicious and there's the um what they what the Mexicans call vote tacos. Now, this is when you've got, uh, you stuff a box with um, just walls of the, the, the that they want in. And th- there's been a, a bunch of videos going, on, going okay. on around YouTube. Hold for a second. I am going
1: to uh, try and... Uh... Oh, okay. So, uh, sorry about that, folks. We just decided to reconnect because... We were being told that they were very choppy and the signal wasn't. Very good. Um, I I hope it's a bit better now let us know if it is. Um, Carry on from... Harrison, maybe (laughs) recap.
2: Yeah, Harrison, you you were talking about notoriously rigged elections and votes in Mexico. And so notorious that they have their own special funny names. I was just mentioning. Uh, well, I mentioned the carousel or merry-go-round voting, where you get multiple votes from single people, which we saw on this one. Yes, we did. At least at least ten reports, uh, like official reports that that have been acknowledged. And then we've got the uh, vote tacos, stuffing um, a wad of votes into the box uh, for whatever um, vote they are trying to, you know, raise the numbers of. And there's a bunch of videos going around on YouTube, you know, allegedly, and they they all look legit to me of. Uh, the voting process and videos taken of the the people counting the votes. And there's one of this one woman gets up next to one of the polling booths, and she turns away from it and, and puts her hand over her eyes like she doesn't want to doesn't want to look. A really weird looking uh, gesture to make. But as she's doing this and covering her covering her face, another woman comes in from behind and just grabs a wad of of ballots and starts sticking them in. You know they won't all fit, so she she, she uh, Takes a few off and stuffs them in. Goes back to the table, grabs another wad. which does this three or four times, um, which was pretty suspicious. This is footage from the Scottish referendum yeah. Thursday. Yeah, this is okay. the no that, that that was a fake. I,
1: I don't think that was Scottish re- referendum. No, no, I think that was somewhere else. Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure. But um, yeah, just, just yeah, just to, in case people missed what we were saying earlier on. I mean, the, we were basically saying that it's extremely easy to. Uh, rig this vote. And we we're just saying that people uh, cast the votes in polling stations and they're collected from polling stations to uh, counting areas or counting venues. Uh, so all these votes from hundreds of different polling stations are coming into these big venues, particularly in the big cities where you have maybe, you know, up to half a million votes coming into one area. And it was described by the Russian observers as one area that was maybe it was like a hangar basically 100 meters by 300 meters and the observers uh, supposedly there to check to make sure everything checked out they weren't able to get anywhere near the counting tables or they, and they weren't able to see where the vote boxes were coming from so you have all these votes in different individual boxes coming into the back door of one of these hangars and then someone is there supposedly you know collating them and bringing them in i mean the situation is so ripe for manipulation and fraud it's it's ridiculous it's, it's unbelievable if, when, when you look into the details of it. So that establishes uh, opportunity, let's say. Uh, motive? Well, yeah, there's a massive motive to do that. And given that it's, as I've just said, it's it's quite easy to do, all you need is a few people in the right place to sign off, to turn the other way, and then you just hand these votes. I mean, we're talking here about switching, basically having pre-made boxes full of pre-made wads of ballot papers with an X in the in the no box and just just substitute those that's, that's people's simple. names aren't on the ballot no there's nothing the it's a piece of paper with two yeah. boxes yes and no and yeah. an X and one that's it no other identifier so it's so easy to, to fake and duplicate uh, names are only bar- verified with a yes or a no at the polling centre once it leaves there yeah it's not checked the, again the only supposed verification is, is that at the counting venue that the number of votes received from each polling station matches with the number of ballot papers that were handed out at the polling station. But, like I said, there's counting officers who are in charge of each of the counting venues. And, like I said, uh, the majority, over 50% of the votes would have come in, and the whole of Scotland would have come into one of the bigger counting venues in the bigger cities, like Glasgow, Edinburgh, uh, Dundee... um, Aberdeen. Aberdeen. So... With those, with those four, let's say you have, you're getting up there maybe fifty percent or more of the population of all the votes coming in. Um, so you only have to have, in that case, you have four people in those four venues as the counting officers who will turn a blind eye and sign off on, because it's difficult for them. I can imagine it would be difficult for them to know to keep a tally of all the polling stations and to know how many, uh, how many ballot papers were handed out at the individual polling stations. And then make sure that they substituted the same number. Correct number. But I only maybe that doesn't isn't even necessary because the whole idea of counting and checking them off is probably bunk because you have hundreds of boxes, voting boxes coming in with with papers in them into one area that amounts to hundreds of thousands of votes, probably basically just taken out and collated right there. Mm-hmm. Who's going to count every single one? I mean, I don't think. Practically speaking, I don't think they have the time to do it. If they had the time to do it, they needed a massive amount of people. And even that allows, therefore, uh, makes it ripe for uh, manipulation and fraud. So it's basically uh, wide open to manipulation. Opportunity was definitely there. Motive, absolutely a motive. We're talking about the British elite here. You're talking about a bunch of elitist, uh, toffee-nosed British racists, right, who are fundamentally racist in every single way. Uh, they're all psychopaths. The majority of them are psychopaths as well. These are people, these are these are the most despicable, these people, these people are, have not changed from the kind of people, uh, you know, back in, you know, a few hundred years ago in America, for example, or a hundred years ago in America, the, 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 the slave owners, their attitude, the, the slave owners' attitude, the white slave owners in the South, Southsworth, uh, towards black people, that attitude is the same. These are the same people, basically. They're, the people today are, are of the same, ilk, of the the same, same genetics, essentially, yeah. the same stock. Their attitude towards slaves, uh, the people today in Whitehall and the British establishment, have exactly the same attitude towards the ordinary people, and even more so towards Scottish people,
0: uh,
1: others. I mean, they have a modicum of respect for the average middle-class English person. But you know, when it comes down to it, not really. But uh, when you throw, when you, when you consider Scots or Irish or anybody else, they're pure race. They, and I mean, the idea that they would ever countenance the idea that the Scottish people, who to them, are a bunch of you know, bog trotting kind of uh, moonshine drinkers, you know, pot chain drinkers, uh, drunks, basically, that they would allow them to express their yeah. their their vote or their, their democratic uh, will uh, to take away thirty three percent of their beloved United Kingdom, including all oil. of its resources and its oil. Are the you oil. joking me? Are the you? Oil. Are you? What planet are you living? Jesus Christ! I mean, really? When Margot Macdonald warned, what? I mean, what planet do people live on? Anybody who thinks that, the problem is that nobody lives in the real world, nobody knows. A, how things operate. They're not even interested. The information is available for them all to be to, to to avail themselves of and to inform themselves, but they reject it. They ignore it. They live in fantasy land, and they they're you know their heads are up their backsides. Basically, they have no idea of how it actually operates. If they simply faced objective reality, availing themselves of publicly available information, they would never, in a million years, if they had any common sense, be uh, allow themselves or be able to, to to believe that this vote could have been legitimate, that that the Scottish people would have been allowed to secede or would have been allowed to vote. Uh, and I mean, also with that information about the real world and how it operates, people would have been uh, fully aware that the Scottish people were absolutely going to vote yes for independence. So they would have known that, and they would have also known at the same time that there was no way that they were going to be allowed to do it. Yeah, and if people reflect just for a moment, they will. Why? Because they don't turn out for regular elections. What is it, a 40% turnout in Scotland yeah. when there are actual UK general elections? They don't care because they don't, it care. don't get represented, representation. And we're being asked to believe they decided now to turn out. It was I, They say it was 84%. I reckon they're downplaying that as part of the, the vote rigging because some of the earlier reports in certain councils had 97% turnout rates anyway. We're being asked to believe they turned out en masse for officially or unofficially, the record highest turnout for voting of any kind in Scotland because they wanted to stay under the thumb of the city of London and the UK crown. Yeah, exactly. Scottish people, fiercely independent, all got so excited about going to the polls to reaffirm their complete and utter heart, body, mind and soul commitment to a bunch of racist, toffee-nosed English assholes in Westminster, are you are you sh- shitting me, really? <laughs> Who believes that? Careful, Joe, you're stuttering there. No, I'm not. <laughs> Joe doesn't hate all the English, by the way. It's just I'm talking the about toffee nosed nose, Whitehall <laughs> bureaucrat. By the way, uh, <laughs> you can't trust polls. We know that, but nevertheless, the polls polls were run in England before the referendum. The majority of the English people were perfectly fine with it. They said go for it. And it wasn't an anti Scots thing, it was go for it. You need to do it. And I think partly they were hoping for some kind of yeah. change happening in the UK in England as well. Oh, well, absolutely. The vast majority of people even in the UK uh were, were totally for this. They didn't I mean, either they were for it or they didn't really care. I mean it wasn't gonna change their lives one bit, really, as far as they were concerned. I mean, Scotland was always gonna be there. Okay. I mean it would have been pretty there's a cynical bunch of them who said no, we're going to we don't want Scotland to leave because we want their natural resources. I mean, uh, maybe a few of them thought that, uh, uh, but it was only a tiny minority who would have been the same mindset as the, the imperialists, the British imperialists in, in, in Westminster. Their motivation for doing it was, you know, control of the people, control of all of the resources for us. A few people, a few idiotic diehard kind of uh, citizen imperialists in the UK would have been. Would have would have been of that opinion. Uh, I Scotland know it's part. It's ours basically. We we own it's part of the United Kingdom and London rules the United Kingdom. So you know Scotland has to stay with us. But the majority of people would have empathized with the Scottish people's right, desire, and right for independence if they if they wanted it. So right. I mean, all you had here was the politicians in in in, in England and uh, despicable prostitute media Mm -hmm. who backed up their every word and with this ridiculous scaremongering, fearmongering campaign to try and convince everybody. Beforehand, they had one of these anonymous security officials, we know who that was, saying that in the event of a yes vote, there would be a complete breakdown in social order. There would be chaos in the streets of Scotland. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm sure there was because there was a no vote. There were riots in Glasgow now because the unionist fascist Typically, Glasgow Rangers fans are out exuberant, saying our country, Britain, has been saved. And <laughs> talking about it's gas how the argument you just afford is been criticized as sectarian. What is and it? now we're seeing sectarianism actually manifest as a result of what would have been the non-sectarian option, namely secession for Scotland. It's sectarian for Scotland to want to be independent. Yes, Fair because it's a nationalist what, de facto one... it's nationalist, therefore it's sectarian there's George galloway's arguments there's the... no nation state you mean there's no nation state anywhere well the, by default, they're saying the nation state and the only one that can exist is the United kingdom, but it's not a nation state exactly so it doesn't make any sense it makes no sense it's whatsoever some of the the arguments george galloway i somehow of his mind has turned to mush or if he's just Losing it or... uh, One of his arguments was that in in terms of sectarianism, if Scotland votes yes and leaves the UK, it will empower unionists and create more division within Scotland. I mean, I just couldn't get my head around that. It's the opposite. It would take away their cause. You're citing a specific incident where English troops members of the UK Armed Forces were going up to Scotland and parading in uniform with fascists in Glasgow as reason for this being the sectarianism resulting from Scotland trying to secede. But if it had been the yes vote, there would never... It's an example of the sectarianism within Scottish society promoted by by the British, by the English, uh, and the ordinary Scottish people, the vast majority of them being non-sectarian and non-fascist essentially, wanting to get rid of that element because yeah. the only way that that rule uh, Britannia crowd in Scotland, the loyalists, the flag wavers, the Union jack wavers, are, can exist is because of the link with, with the UK, because they're authoritarian followers, because they want, you know, to to revel in the glory of the of, of the of the British Empire. Yeah. If if Scotland was cut off they would have no more they would have to leave or accept uh the reality of a new Scotland, which was Scotland for Scottish people and Scottish values. To give you an idea, just just a nationalist staying out of all arguments here, the entire referendum was set up in such a way that many Scots did not have the right to vote. If you were a Scottish, you can call it Scottish born, technically you're a UK citizen, you're UK born Scottish of a Scottish extraction living abroad, you couldn't vote in this. If you were born in any other country and you just happened to live in Scotland, you had a right to vote. I think it's because of this. It was actually very democratically set up. Because of this, they trashed it. Mm -hmm. This is why you see images of people from all over the world waving the Scots flag, because they happen to live there. They're either immigrants or descendants of immigrants who are fully supportive of this because it was inherently democratic. Mm -hmm. For the first time a UK vote was given to 16 and Mm 17-year-olds, the vast majority of whom wanted, they said yes. Speaking of motive, I think this extends beyond the British elite's interest. Um, I'm going to quote uh, a thought reader, actually, who I think hit the nail on the head. She posted an an article recently, username Lilies. If they had let Scotland gain independence, it would have started the chain reaction of other countries or people wanting to be free. It would have been bad for Cretan bankers everywhere. And, of course, they couldn't allow it to happen. And we've seen hints of this. All week, uh, the Spanish government specifically citing what's going on in Scotland, for their reason to say no way is Catalonia having yeah. a vote. Yeah. The Catalonians have ignored them and said we're going to hold one anyway. Yeah, this is the chickens coming home to roost but through their yeah. mismanagement and their theft and their austerity measures and their basic trampling of ordinary people. There is at least some people responding to this. In a kind of organic and non-linear way, where you have this upswell of a of a general sentiment of screw the system and we're not taking it anymore, and anybody who's uh, either given the opportunity to vote for independence or who are already uh, independent, independently minded in the sense of they they have a history, they they're, they're a region of a country, they're all the first thing they're going to think of is let's get away from that fascistic state control that's screwing us over, you know? I mean, this is what happens, and the elite, and like you say, you're right, it's a, it's a global thing because uh, we live under a one-world government, essentially, where bankers more or less rule the world, and um, and they want to keep everybody in place under their control, and any idea of independence, uh, just the, the very idea of independence, uh, in, in a practical sense, i.e. countries breaking away, uh Leads into a kind of a, a freedom of thought or a freedom of, of you know, an anti-establishment. And by establishment, by establishment, I mean kind of one-world one government type thing. There's a there's a rejection of that inherent in the idea of independence, and that's the last thing they want to see. I mean, the Spanish government has said that uh, Catalonia, which you know historically, you know, five six hundred years ago was a was an independent uh, state.
0: Um,
1: they've said that uh, they're not allowed to have a referendum. If they have a referendum, it'll be illegal. Uh, because uh, a vote on Catalonia's independence has to be uh, uh has to be given to the entire country, but of course that's kind of ridiculous because um, it's it's a bit of a problem that but was a c- kind of views that argument well they said, in Scotland too shouldn't the English have a yeah exactly on it yeah too? i mean there's that but uh, that the one news anchor on the BBC or something saying she made the reference to it's like a divorce and I don't have an, a, a, a say in, in, I have I don't have a say in in in, in what what happens what, well do You know where she got it from She got it from David from Cameron. Cameron yeah And then George Galloway used it too yeah. divorce what a bunch of idiots This is like a divorce like. and he says he's leading to, uh, to Andrew Neil like, who is like a famous um, journalist in Scotland who's asked, interviewing about this the day before the referendum he says it's like a divorce, and I've known what it's like to go through a divorce. Yeah, exactly. That's his emotional argument. It, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit too identified there, emotionally identified with this situation. Why are you bringing yourself and your own marital relations into this vote on Scottish independence? You know, you're you're the type of person who I want to get away from, you know. There's you're some, a, you're one of those clingy, needy, there. there's, there's the guy right. spouses who's sure? like, Ugh, you know. <laughs> G- Galloway is, is now married to someone who's like... Young enough to be his granddaughter in the picture. But anyway, anyway but there's, there's another big... Sorry. I was just going to say about the question in Spain. I mean, it, it's a, there is some validity to the idea that, well, shouldn't the rest of Spain have a... Uh, the rest of the Spanish people have a say in whether or not part of their country breaks away? Well, yes, theoretically. But if we have to decide whose, whose rights are most important here, then it's the rights of the people who want to leave. You know, mm-hmm. because if you threw it open to the, to the Spanish population, the majority of them would probably say, well, we like Catalonia, it should be part of Spain, we don't like to see our country broken up, we're, I'm identified with Spain as being a know. whole country. They, maybe, maybe if not. If they were tuned in enough to recognize what it's really about, it's not about recreating a country that was five and 600 years old. You can't really base your history, base your your reasons just on that alone, because otherwise everyone would be, have a, that reason for, well, 300 years ago, I was part of this, and the So, no, I think it would be recognition of what's really at root here. It's a protest against the entire Western oligarchical system that is just running this planet into the ground. I think what it comes down to is that if ordinary people were left alone, make up their own minds, they would all be reasonable, uh, fairly reasonable and decent about it. But, of course, they never are in any kind of vote like this. They are bombarded night and day for weeks, months. Uh, by ridiculous, hysterical lies and fear mongering and scaremongering, and it obviously has an effect. Well, it makes a it makes a mockery of the idea of democracy when you have massive influencing of the vote by the government and the mainstream media, which are one and the same thing. How can you call that a free and fair election? Aye, but in in spite of it, in spite of it, it was probably a landslide. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's that's what's amazing. Uh
2: Harrison, you want to get a word in way? Yeah, I just wanted to <laughs> point out the referenda that were held in Donetsk and Lugansk in Ukraine. And look what happens when um, when a people, you know, a region decides to secede and there is you know, it happened really fast, there wasn't a chance for a big media campaign, a political campaign to go against it. So exactly. so you had this this tremendous turnout in favor of independence and look what happened there we we had how many months of this so-called anti-terrorist operation mm-hmm. thousands of people killed and then you go further just a, a bit further back to the referendum in Crimea the only reason they were able to get away with that is that they had russia backing you know, yeah. they had that that support of of a giant nation and and look at what the west has said about that referendum
1: it's illegal it's illegal just Like the
2: Spanish are saying.
1: and you know why they're why they're saying it's illegal uh they're saying, I mean, I was reading a report on on, on the Scottish referendum, word refer Crimea vote. It, 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 the media was uh, lauding this, uh, the way the Scottish referendum happened. It's been ongoing, you know, for two years. We planned two years ago, and it's been a slow build up and all this kind of stuff. And that's the way to do it. And everybody well, gets a government. chance. Everybody gets a chance to 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 think about it and all this kind of stuff. And British said, democracy, and, so civilized. Yeah, and they said compared to the 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 vote, and they put the vote uh, or the referendum in quotes. In, uh, and they put quote, scare quotes around it in Crimea, which happened in a mere, in a, mere, in a matter of weeks. Um, but, and there is an example of of the truth being turned on its head there. That's the way to hold a referendum. When you have a group of people in a country and it's obvious after, you know, either by general understandings or public sentiment or polls, whatever, that the majority, a good majority of people want independence. Then you have the vote very quickly. And get everybody everybody gets to cast a vote and boom, there's a result. And it's a foregone conclusion. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Done. There you go. Bye bye. But this is that's illegal. What you meant to do is have two years of uh, of, of of preparation. ten so years. Ten years of delays in negotiation. Yes, and two years of preparation so that MI five has all the time it wants and the media has all the time it wants to, to get their story straight, to plan, their propaganda crew to turn it around and be anti democratic. And actually, in this case, engage in vote fraud.
2: And the BBC on the 15th, so three days before the referendum, they in one of the reports, um, just outlining the basics of what would be the referendum, they said um, that there was no provision in law for a national recount of the votes if there was questions about the validity of the vote. And that was just that's just a blatant lie. If you actually look at the Scottish Independence Referendum Act 2013, it says, it gives the the conditions for a recount, and they're right there. The, the the Scottish have six weeks to petition for judicial review for a recount. Now, whether that's going to happen or not you know, remains to be seen. I doubt this, it's going to get anywhere, but there is a provision in there for a recount. And there are already, what, 70,000 um, in this petition for uh, Within a 12
1: hours, a uh, petition was raised for 70,000 signatures. Yeah. Scots. I don't know what percentage, but I'd say about half of them at least, do they believe the results? Because, of course, they wouldn't. They know their own town. They know there were so few no-voters. Mm. So, it's... The problem with the recount is is if they used primarily uh, fake ballots, the mm-hmm. recount is just going to provide the team. Mm-hmm. In a sense, the actual count was legitimate. The, yeah, the counter's yeah. not their fault. By the, the way, the those videos going around... Um, there, the problem with the videos saying, oh, look what she's doing. She's switching from yes and no. I'm not so sure because there there could be plausible reasons. There, there are a few videos where there's snippets of footage taken from the counting centers. Um, that they're not evident, but they, they do hint to something weird going on. But they're not evidence of, say, in this case, the woman. I am thinking. they're of the evidence counter. of what we've been saying: is severe mismanagement, severe yeah, disorganization at amongst uh, at at the counting venues. That, that video of the stack of uh, a ballot papers in. with on a note table with a uh-huh. yes on top. Uh, they've all been already been sorted in some way or other because they all have uh, rubber bands around them. They're in, they're in, mm-hmm. in, in um, they've been they've, they've been piled, emptied in, out of a box and put stacked in equal in, in more or less parcels, equal equal stacks with with rubber bands around them. So they've been se- separated out in some way. I mean, we have to take their word for it, I suppose, but we shouldn't take the word for it because there's no. obviously serious mismanagement going on here. I mean, really, if if that was a bunch of of yes ballot papers at least uh some of them or well let's say all of them were yes ballot papers putting them on a no table really does that mean man, that a bunch of no ones are sitting on a yes table and many times that replicated around the counting at the counting venue uh, really is that the way to 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 make sure that you have a, a proper count uh i mean the point is that that says it, it's not evidence of fraud It's evidence of, like I say, severe mismanagement, disorganization, and deliberately so, which allows for actual deliberate vote fraud. Here's some evidence of dirty tricks, as far as I'm concerned. Um, There was no exit poll for this referendum. Okay, that happens sometimes. It never happens in the UK. Here's an article written on the day, published on the day, by James Ball from the London Guardian. I'm going to read this out to you. Anyone in the UK who was sat up watching the TV on election night knows there's a pattern to how things go. The polls close at 10pm. Moments later, the anchor behind the desk gives the results of the exit poll. Except, as the polls close in the Scottish referendum, this won't happen as neither the BBC nor any other media outlet has bothered to pay to get one done. How convenient. Exit polls are the best form of voting-related data we can ever get our hands on. They're collected by large numbers of researchers standing outside polling stations and asking tens of thousands of people how they voted. Campaigns are very familiar with arguing against exit polls they don't like. The exit polls for the twenty ten UK general election were very accurate with respect to the final results, but disagreed with the pre-election polls. They couldn't allow this to happen. The YouGov polls and the Mori polls in the in the run up to the actual vote were all saying it was going to be a yes, but pretty much the rigged result said 54%. They made sure there would be no exit poll because the exit poll would have reflected the true result. That was one step too far for them in in terms of the manipulating situation. They figured it was too much hassle to um, have uh, exit pollsters, if that's what they're called, Uh, standing outside all the polling stations asking people to get that exit poll figure. It's SOP standard. Yeah, I know, but it would have been too much effort for them to have to have all those people uh, give false data back, so they figure that's too much, we can't do that, so we'll just not have any exit poll at all, because an exit poll would have shown probably 70 plus percent uh, in favor of independence. And then when that exit poll number is harder then I can set it with forty six percent thing, yes instead of seventy plus percent uh there's serious problems there it brings up serious questions, and it's a much stronger argument for it's a very strong argument for a for a recount or an investigation, and they just didn't want to do that
2: yeah it's not like an- Amer- one of, like the American elections where they're always so close, well allegedly that the if the exit poll is off by one or two percent, they can still say, "Oh well, you know, it was just off by one or two percent yeah exactly, and yeah. a different guy gets in. Yeah, it's like in this case, it would just be so obvious that yeah, it was...
1: there was no one near The actual actual tally, yeah. Scotland's third city, Dundee, that had a slim official result for yes. Something dodgy happened there. The fire fire alarm went off like three times. Yeah. The whole place was evacuated. Yeah. Oh, except for the security personnel. Yeah, the police. They're
2: going to. The police so, were there to look after things.
1: That was Plan B. That's what they had. Plan B all around those uh, those counting venues where they were switching uh, the ballots with their pre-prepared ballots, all saying no. Uh, if that was a missive, the, miss of the MI5, MI5, operatives were, were, were MI5 operatives, that was sent out to MI5 operatives, that if something goes wrong and someone spots you or you look like you're going to be rumbled, smash the fire along. Three
2: times.
0: Yeah.
1: The BBC's, um, or one of their Scotland editors, Interestingly, two weeks before the referendum, uh, he quit. And he said, not since the 2003 Iraq invasion invasion have I seen BBC News working at propaganda strength like this. So glad I'm out of here. Yep. It's ridiculous. The whole thing is just ridiculous. I mean, people need to really uh, sit with the idea of, of the fact that there is no democracy. Every single vote Probably in the last, you know, 40, 50, 60 years, maybe, maybe forever, I don't know, but certainly in that that period of time, every single vote in the Western world that mattered has been, that mattered has been, uh, you may as well not have voted. It's an illusion of democracy. You go along and you cast your vote and you think, yes, I have a say in the things that matter to me. No, you don't. It's said beforehand, you are essentially insignificant. You're irrelevant to the entire uh, process of what happens in your country. What ha- uh, the decisions that are made that affect your lives—you have no say whatsoever. And you are being the laws that are being passed by the governments that you haven't elected uh, are extremely prejudicial towards you and your family and your future. So there you go. Have a nice life. It's a nice world we live in, isn't it? Yeah, I couldn't. I some people earlier on, I couldn't look at the map earlier on. That's why I'm quite uh, strident in my comments <laughs> tonight. For some reason, I've had enough of this world. There's a map on the wall beside my desk. It's a big map, and for some reason, when I just looked at it, sometimes I use it for reference and stuff not again. again. Uh, but I looked at it um, earlier on today, and I just, I was like, I just turned my stomach just looking at the entire world. Is that that strange? Look looked at the map of the world, and for me, it represented everything that's going on, and I just sneered at it. I was like, oh, God, what a cesspool. I would have just set it on fire if I had a flamethrower or something. I would have have shot at it if I had a gun. It's just, uh, whatever. Carry on. (laughs) Well, let's skip across that map of the world. I mean, in Ukraine, Aaron.
2: Well, in Ukraine, um, there's been a, since the first meeting in Minsk, a couple of weeks ago, there have been several other meetings in Minsk um, between the Novorossians, Ukrainians, and Russians. And just recently, um, on the, the 18th, there was uh, there were 16 businessmen from the U.S., Russia, Germany, and Ukraine, and they all met with the Chairman of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. And they came to another uh, another agreement now this one was more um, business related, but it had other provisions in it and interestingly um it, there are a lot of people a lot of commentators out there saying, you know with every new agreement in Minsk that uh that Putin and Russia are selling out nova Russia and you know we've talked about it before here, and it uh, doesn't really make much sense to look at it that way it's not doesn't take into account so much of what's going on. But interestingly, in this new agreement, there were three provisions in there, and they actually listed the need for self-determination of the peoples of Lugansk and Donetsk um, the full, uh, to fully follow international law in the, the agreement to, uh, of a ceasefire and carrying out all of these other provisions. Now, that is, that's interesting because there are certain Ukrainian laws which don't follow international law, so those will eventually come into conflict. That was pretty interesting. And also um, to, to propose for the military non alignment of Ukraine. So we've got all these oligarchs, rich people, coming together and agreeing or trying to get everyone to agree on military non alignment. So there are pe- I'm sure there are people in the West and the States that do not want that to happen. Obviously, uh, they want, well, and Poroshenko, they, they all want to be members of NATO. And I'm sure a lot of the Westerners want to bring them into the fold, but if things go as they as they if things proceed as they're going right now, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Now, while um, the U.S. and NATO, there are reports um, that they have been supplying arms to Kiev. Officially, the U.S. won't allow it, or they won't say yes. They won't agree to send more officially. And that's an interesting step to take. Like, why not? Why not say yes? Why not? Why not just admit to it? Because, I mean, they do it all over the place. So there's there's things going on behind the scenes, and it's pretty complex. But this new agreement, um, pretty interesting. And it was followed by another one, uh, which laid out the terms for for the ceasefire, and that goes into a lot more detail than the the agreement. When was it? Two weeks ago. That uh, was very vague. Wasn't worded very well. This one actually goes into the specifics of the ceasefire, you know, to the to the millimeter caliber of the weapons that need to be stopped being used. Mm-hmm. So that that's going on. It, it, there's still bombing going around, going around, shelling around Donetsk. There was a massive bomb, yeah. wasn't there? Well, they. It was a weapons depot. Weapon. Yeah, it was a weapons depot that was uh, that was fired upon. There's videos of this huge plume of smoke, these explosions. So there's still, um, still. The ceasefire is still being broken um, by Kiev. I think the I listened to a, an interview with one of the Novorossian leaders, and he was saying that they'd, they'd counted something like in the hundreds of violations in the past two or three weeks. And the initial ceasefire. So nothing's yeah. actually changed on the ground. Nothing's actually changed. But
1: do you get... Go on.
2: Yeah, but they're, but it's almost like the, the two sides are... Well, at least the Novorossians are... They really want this. At least the ones in in power really want this ceasefire to go through. So sort of the Russians. Now there's infighting going on between in the leadership of Novorossiya. There's some people who've been arrested apparently. There's there's just stuff going on there. But it's like they're willing to put up with a certain level of uh, Kiev breaking the ceasefire. It, uh, it can reach a certain point and they'll they'll be okay with it as long as these. Other developments keep going ahead, like these Minsk agreements. But um, it remains to be seen whether Kiev will end up actually following through with any of these. It's hard to say where this is going to go. Um, You know, I don't know. What
1: strikes me is that Russia is um, very serious about de-escalating this. I mean, there's a massive protest in Moscow today, an anti-war protest. People of all stripes saying okay, I love Russia and I'd love to do something to help these people, but no war. Um, it does seem that Putin has made some kind of, essentially a kind of finality to their strategy with regards to Russia. And they've fallen into line. They've accepted it. Yeah, That, uh, you know, we'll get some degree of autonomy and we'll stay with that. It's a strong position to take because how can anyone in the West Anyone sane, anyway, argue against that because it's more than what they could have asked for. Well, yeah, talking about Ukraine, um, there's two things I wanted to mention. One was that the the Ukrainian defense minister said that um, said that Russia uh, used tactical nuclear weapons yep. against the Ukrainian army and uh, during the, the the conflict, you know. Um, there's a, a pretty heavy mortar launcher, a mechanised uh, mortar launcher. It's like a tank with a with a big mortar tube on the back that you know, has hydraulics and goes down and can fire. I um, a 150 kilo mortar and stuff, but it can also be equipped with uh, because it's that big. It can be equipped with small tactical nuclear 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 warhead. Um, nuclear. N- nu- nuclear. 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 I wish it would just change to nuclear. Have a lot of easier time, but it's a uh, and this this uh, Ukrainian uh, defense minister claimed that they used nukes, uh, uh, but he also uh, mentioned that um, that they would be ridiculed uh, for saying that. And he says, "Well, it's, it's, it's not strange, of it happens all the time." You know, so he he seemed to be he was serious, but he. Um, he seemed to be setting it up, uh, expecting the fact that he'd be ridiculed, and ridiculed he was, you know, um, by in fact by the interior minister of uh, of Ukraine as well. Uh, yeah. So his own his own um, political compadres are uh, are making fun of him as well. But I mean, there's something wrong with Ukrainians, and I don't want to offend any Ukrainian listener, but there's something wrong certainly with the Ukrainian elite class in the sense that um, it reminds me of the Polish. For some reason, uh, the Polish uh, political elite there—I don't know—they—they they can't seem to get their foot out of their mouths or out of their heads or wherever their foot tends to be embedded. You know, they just or the just, head from out of the, back, uh, out right? of the backside. They're—they're they're just a bit factless. They come across as being factless, and stupid. it's not strange in Ukraine, given that Ukraine is so discombobulated at a political level and isn't really a country in the proper sense of the world and, and has been treated that way or has been that way for the past 20 years since the since the Soviet Union and um, so maybe they just don't have they haven't done their political homework as uh, Victoria <laughs> Newland would say and mm-hmm. um, but and in that case, they shouldn't, be told, they shouldn't be allowed to speak really at all. They shouldn't be allowed to say this stuff because they're just shooting themselves in, in that foot well, that is stuck in their mouth. Well, when you this know? guy gloated that the U.S. is going to send us weapons, goody, you know, yeah. <laughs> the U.S. State Department said, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> what but, are you doing? And then, <laughs> That's what you get when you get
2: puppets into power, you know, I and mean, they just just not well trained. And then a week or two later, either the same guy or a different guy said, oh, we started receiving the shipments. And again, all the countries that he'd listed as sending, Sending weapons said, uh, "No, we're not sending those." Like, What's this guy saying? Yeah, and but the defense minister, the, the guy that made the nuclear comment, afterwards, he he kind of tried to cover his ass by saying, "Oh, I was I was mistranslated." Yeah, right. Or, yeah, I yeah, know he tried to get out of it.
1: Yeah, um, the other thing about Ukraine is MH17, and the publication. It's actually a report from August that was just recently translated into English, but the the uh, the Association of Russian Engineers produced a, a report on what really happened to MH17 based on the hard data, and the obvious uh, data and the obvious evidence from the pieces of the wreckage, i.e. it was shot down. It's got bullet holes in the cockpit, all over the cockpit. Um, it's on our website, net if you look it up, um, and there's a the report you can download. It's not very long, it's very easy to read, and it's very, very rational and... Uh, And it's the obvious conclusion. And at this point, it's the only conclusion, Uh, it's the only argument in the absence of any coherent or argument presented by uh, the other side, the Ukrainians and their their Western masters, Mm -hmm. the CIA, for example, they um, they haven't provided any argument whatsoever. They have made no uh, uh, believable or credible claims so, apart from their original claim that oh it was Putin. Putin did it. Putin, 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 Putin. it's human sense as opposed to psychopathic sense. Yeah, well it's, just, it's right. just looking straight at the evidence and saying this is what the evidence shows. And of course the deafening silence from the other side uh, speaks volumes essentially because this is what happened and the implications are that Russia did, Russia was not involved. The rebels were not the Eastern Ukrainian rebels were not involved, therefore who had a motive to do it. Well, the motive is obvious as well because of what they did immediately afterwards. They demonized Putin. Who wants to demonize Putin? Ukraine and the U.S. State Department. So those two people from whom we are hearing nothing about MH17 and they are desperately trying to ignore it, they are the people who are implicated in this. They shut down MH17. So my question here is, when all the bleeding heart European citizens and American citizens all joined the chorus of Putin's a murderer Russia's war crime. This is a horrible war crime. All the Western politicians and all of the people cheerleading this and evil Putin. Hitler Putin. Hitler. Those poor two hundred and ninety eight people. Okay, fair enough. So you, you're you're quite work, you are quite worked up about it. You're unjustifiably so. Two hundred and ninety eight yeah. people, innocent people killed uh deliberately. But okay, now the question is the hard evidence points to your own government's Western system. It points to them being responsible. And to your beloved Ukraine, soon-to-be member of the glorious EU, uh, one of your newest pets, it is responsible. Ukraine and the U.S. State Department and Western government are responsible for the death of 298 people. Most of them being European citizens. Outrage? What what happened to that outrage? What, the, 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 was it only for... Just for a while, you don't care anymore? Does it not matter that they died anymore? Oh, it doesn't matter that they died because you're responsible. Because it's your government that's responsible. You're a wonderful British democratic, you know, know, freedom for Scotland. You decide government. That's the one that has a hand in this. The Dutch government, the American government, they're all the ones who are responsible for killing those 290 people. And for that reason, their deaths don't matter anymore. I'm not going to say them. But, you know, if you don't have a proper conscience and you don't actually, actually care about the death of people, then you can shut that up, okay? Right on. Well, some of them are doing something. Headline from today. Families of Germans killed in MH17. Crash to sue Ukraine. Yeah, but only suing Ukraine for money. They want somebody to pay for the the grief and the heartache and... uh, uh, of their lost, of their killed family members. They don't really care who did it. They'll take the money and not care at the, uh, to look or to speak or to talk about the hard evidence that Ukraine and its Western backers killed those people on that plane. They shot that plane down. You know, this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is what happened. It's clear as day. It's as clear as the nose in your face, whatever you want to say. That's what happened. It has nothing to do with Russia. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to let this one go in terms of demonizing Russia. Russia had nothing to do with this. The Eastern Ukrainian rebels had nothing to do with this. This was a deliberate murder of 298 people, many, most of them European citizens, by European and West and American government. Yeah. So do something about it. You get. Talk to someone, complain, write on social media, use your common sense, whatever. Do something about it. You were full of, you know, piss and vinegar against Russia a couple of months ago, just after it happened. But where did it go now? You don't care anymore? Oh, so it's long enough that the, that this mass murder has passed a couple of months and you don't care anymore? No, you don't care because you were wrong. Because it was your government that's responsible. Your corrupt, evil bunch of psychopaths that killed you, essentially, your own fellow citizens murdered them in an airplane to try and convince you to hate Russia. Yeah, goddamn grip. Jesus Christ. This is the chickens coming home to roost en masse for everyone in the West. People are turning into this mindless horde. If the chickens coming home to roost for ordinary people is a loss of conscience. They will subconsciously choose to forget all about that. From what two months ago? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's no big deal, right? Um, talking about stupid people. Have you got something else? Uh, kind of related. Russia and China just signed another massive trade energy deal, mm. or a second pipeline route. I think Russia's just saying, you know what? Forget it. We're just gonna go east and elsewhere in the world. Uh, there's a great new um. I think it's only an online publication. Look look out for It's called the BRICS Post. So they're keeping people updated with developments between BRICS countries. Uh, the Chinese president's just come back from India where they've signed umpteen major deals. And yeah, this is part of. Well, they, the Russian um, Prime Minister said that. You know this whole one year sanction against the uh, European produce fruit vegetables, everything else basically um, yeah, it's one year problem is that as that year goes by, we are actually having to buy produce and establish uh, new you know new relationships, new business relationships with other people in Asia and South America that are fulfilling our Russia's demand for the or the vegetables that we yeah, want it's to not buy you any more. measure. Well, yeah, it's for one year, but at the end of that year we're going to have a, we're going to have fulfilled most of our needs that we that we aren't getting from European suppliers with these other suppliers. So I'm sorry to have to tell you but when the year's up there's not going to be much left. It's not going to change. You're not going to start selling your your apples and your artichokes and your tomatoes to us again. You've you've lost. Have, have lost basically. And in line with that just uh, two days ago, uh, with an example of the complete and utter fecklessness of these people in power who are, you know, waging this ridiculous campaign based on like, what's it even based on, you know, some imperialist, you know, kind of we rule the world mindset, we have to put Russia down. They impose these sanctions, Russia responds, what happens on the street in France? Farmers come and dump their artichokes and a bunch of other vegetables outside the tax office and then set fire to the tax office. Ie um, saying, listen, we're not paying taxes if you're not going to manage this country correctly uh, in a way that allows us as farmers to sell our produce because we have lots of produce left over now because you won't because of what you did to Russia because you provoked Russia and forced them to take responses against to, to take a response against you we can't sell our produce anymore we have all this surplus produce we're not getting any money for it and we're certainly not paying taxes so we're going to burn the tax office. And what are the people in France doing? I mean, this is going to happen, or it's certainly being felt in other European countries. And you know, the French may be a bit more militant in that way, but it's brewing in other countries. So, and what are the what are the politicians going to do in that situation if there's you know major disturbance well, because of that? Uh, are, well, we we didn't know. No, you didn't know when everybody on social media with a bit of common sense knew exactly what was going to happen. I mean, really. Uh, there are no words to describe the idiocy, the credulous
0: <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> well, uh, but
1: that's the end is now when people start burning the tax offices. I mean, that's, that's actually the third major kind of demo I'm aware of. Countless others. Last month in Spain, farmers dumped fruit and veg in front of a major supermarket chain, I think. Yeah saying, well, this is project that would have been sold to Russia, so here, take it. Um, the French incident, that's it taking it to a new level. in the Locust Tax Office. Polish embassy? Apples. Apples. And another one, in Amsterdam, last week, two weeks ago, they couldn't sell their tomatoes or something, so they said, okay, fine. They organized a protest in a major square, I think in the city itself, in Amsterdam, and had a food fight. They
2: just threw the food all over the place. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Well, but Russian Foreign Minister, uh, Sergei Lavrov, in recent interviews, he, it seems like he's just kind of given up on the West, too. In questions and answers from him, um, he just basically says, well, you know, what can we do? We've tried everything. And he's basically, without saying it, he's saying these people are idiots. We can't deal with them. So, yeah, we're just going to foster our new relationships with the East and develop there because we can't deal with these crazies in the West. It's absolutely pathetic. The whole
1: thing is just so pitiful and pathetic and feckless. It's it just it's shocking. You know, like even the polls, you know, whenever Putin or Russia announced that they weren't going to buy Polish apples, the polls all got on, uh, the, the proud Polish citizens all got on social media and were taking pictures of themselves biting apples and eating apples. And saying, we'll take up the slack. We'll eat more apples. And the Polish minister I think was uh was the Polish minister was saying eat more basically everybody has to eat apples uh, five times yeah. a day and then they were all, Yeah, we'll eat apples, yeah, screw Russia, anything to screw Russia and then about a week later uh, the, the the Polish um Department of Ministry, Minister of Foreign Affairs uh, sent a uh sent a request on behalf of the Polish farmers for America. Buy their apples. (laughs) (laughs) You buy our apples. Uh, We're stuffed. We can't eat. We can't eat any more apples. American, you like apples? Do you buy them for us? Evil Putin. He did it. He did it. Oh, I feel sick. I've eaten too many apples. They also petitioned the European Union to compensate, and we're told, Uh, "No, we're not going to pay for it." I know it doesn't work like that. We get to screw you over, and then you get to do the consequences. You know, our ideology, the policies that we put in place because of our ridiculous psychopathic ideology, uh you carry the can for that. We just get to implement it. The other thing, uh today, breaking news, this'll just really boy bo- everybody. This is gonna make you all make you all just see the whole world in a new light there's. Uh climate change summit. Thousands join global protests. So, 2,000 locations throughout the world today saw street protests demanding urgent action on climate change. There's a People's Climate Change March, painting for curbs on carbon emissions ahead of the UN Climate Summit in New York next week. Huge demonstrations have been taking place in Australia and Europe. In Manhattan, tens of thousands of idiots, I mean people, (laughs) are are at a march that is due to be joined by UN Chief. Bankimon. Who is that guy? Anyway, anyway. So yeah, they want carbon carbon emissions. You know, people are just angry about the weather. What's going on with the weather here? I mean, it's raining one minute. It's freaking you know, hundred and twenty degrees the next. There's droughts. There's floods. There's landslides. You know, people are annoyed. And they realize the answer lies in changing the weather by stopping people from breathing. No, uh, not stopping people from breathing. Stopping. Uh, <laughs> stopping people from eating meat. Stopping so cows' fart and stopping all these other evil companies from producing too much. People producing too much. Uh, yeah, too much emissions, but also ordinary people using gas and too much gasoline. You know. They're all out, obviously most of them are walking with their bicycles and stuff, and they're going to change the world by changing big business and getting them to go green and, because you know what, this is all obviously carbon emissions, right, it's CO2 in the atmosphere, basically global warming, it's too hot, right, people are annoyed that it's too hot, all this stuff is happening because of global warming, and, you know, two 2,000 locations, people around the world are marching to, probably several million people are all up in arms about how warm it is and stuff. You know, meanwhile, the Antarctic today has the most sea ice it ever had in the history of ever. History of sea ice. In the history of sea ice. (laughs) Uh, A freeze is coming. There's been snow in Canada. There's been snow in Wyoming. There's been snow in uh, South Dakota. Uh Um, Earliest snow ever. Again. Ever see it's all global warming. But um, well, I know that's simplistic. But the point is, it's not as simple as global warming and carbon emissions. Because when these people protest against carbon emissions, they're protesting about global warming, right? And but it's fuel. I think it's fueled by the fact that something is changing. It's just that when they see changing, it's
2: filtered through all this BS about. Man-made global warming, climate change, because they are seeing climate change, but climate change means global warming. Exactly. So, if and, and global warmness will say anything. Any change in the weather will be global warming. So, if yeah. something cools, it's like, oh well, it cools because of global warming.
1: Did yeah. you know that?
0: Yeah.
1: And they'll be all encased in ice. There'll be little blocks of ice. You know, millions of them around the planet. And in their last breath, waving placards. In their last breath, breath, they'll be they'll be saying global warming. They freeze. Uh... <laughs> At the very least, just change the change change the slogan. You know, just get. I mean, really, if you're going to protest about it, look outside your window and come up with a more descriptive name. Uh, okay, climate change, but you know, it's it's worse than that. It's complete climate chaos and mayhem, and it's got nothing to do with CO two emissions, back from humans. Yeah, and some locally some things are happening that are just phenomenal. The Balkans had record flooding in May. By record, I mean they have, to, they have no previous records of seeing water levels that high. It's just repeated itself. In Croatia and Macedonia are having it again in the same year. Here in France, there was a a sudden flash flood. I mean, not that far from where we're at. There's no rain here at all, and this place was completely washed out. Four people were killed near Biscayne in the south. And that's just unheard of. Meanwhile, monsoon monsoon season that they're calling it continues in Arizona. The whole of the U.S. Southwest has been pummeled with heavy rain. Uh, and the problem being the problem and record that, wildfires and record, drought, and record drought and record drought. The problem being when you have drought, the land dries, cracks and you get a, a downpour, a monsoon, and it just runs off. It runs off the ground because the ground is dry. It doesn't, there's, you know, it, it doesn't seep in, and it creates flash floods and washes people away and floods the streets and cars. That's precisely what's happening. The thing is, th- these greenies marching would hear you and say, yeah, we agree. That's why we need to do something about it. That's the illusion, that you can do anything about it. Exactly, You can do something about it by stopping so such an such, a, such an idiot, so so ignorant uh, of what's actually going on in the world and believing in fairy tales about the people that rule over you. That's what's causing climate change. That's what's causing the entire planet to go haywire. Yeah. It's because of the com- extreme uh, chaos and disorder in people's minds. They are so far removed from objective reality, from what's actually happening. happening. Their their beliefs about the world in which they live, how it operates and who controls it, is such a massive fantasy, so divorced from reality, that all of that discombobulated, chaotic, uh, completely not even wrong understanding of the world around you is causing chaos in the biosphere, in the environment, primarily in the weather. But also in earthquakes, volcanoes, sinkholes,
2: etc. Ebola. Ebola, yeah. There's a in Bloomberg, uh Bloomberg just published an interesting article in the past couple of days. Apparently the US Centers for Disease and Control Disease Control and Prevention uh have prepared an estimate report. For the progression of Ebola. Now, it hasn't been released yet, so we'll see if the report actually gets published with these figures. But Bloomberg is reporting from people involved in the report that they are projecting upwards of 550,000 cases of Ebola by the end of January. Now, currently, there are just under 6,000 cases, reported cases, and it's got about a 50% mortality rate. So they, and these projections are. Um, like at least tenfold higher than previous projections. So uh, it's just staggering. So they're, they're talking about two
1: hundred fifty people, two hundred fifty thousand people dead, dead by January from by Ebola. Yeah. Um, what's the US doing? <laughs> the US is sending three thousand heavily armed troops to West Africa to try and halt the spread of the deadly Ebola virus. The US, in league with, um. The U.S. military, Raytheon, Pentagon, uh, Northrop Grumman, and um, the Center for Disease Control have figured out how to make bullets that shoot Ebola viruses. (laughs) And they have sent 3,000 heavily equipped, heavily armed U.S. Marines with these special guns that will target the Ebola virus. Well, what, well, what other reason is it to send three hundred soldiers? Three thousand, right? Three thousand soldiers mm-hmm. to 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 combat. They're, they're sending soldiers to try and halt the spread of the deadly Ebola virus. Well, I think we know what they're doing. Headline today: Sierra Leone begins three-day shutdown to contain Ebola outbreak. They're just basically going to quarantine these countries. So what? The U.S. soldiers are going in to put the Sierra Leoneans into concentration that... camps? I can't even imagine they're going to. Confront the issue directly. It's got to be for some other reason. <laughs> it's just a cover of it. But uh, is this half million figure? Are they are they are they hyping it up too much, or do they not have a clue? Because this could, this could go non-linear.
2: Who knows? Like all I can tell is that the all the previous estimates from different organizations have been, you know, maybe, maybe as high as fifty thousand. Some go up to like maybe 100, 150,000. So I don't know if it's a well, the report itself says that they, the people who are releasing this data were doing it anonymously because the report hasn't been published yet, and it could be changed before the report. So I'd like to see what the actual report says, if it ends up being lower or the same or higher, because who knows what they're, what they're really thinking.
1: It's going to reach
2: a... What, what reason, in what
1: way specifically have they said the U.S. troops are going to contain Ebola? They haven't said. They're just going to uh, to halt the spread of the deadly Ebola virus. It's, uh, the launch of the war on Ebola. Yeah, pretty much. It's the war on on terrorist Ebola, on, on Ebola terrorism. Um. They yeah. They don't actually say. They just say that they're sending them there and what they will do. Obviously, you know. Yeah, you know, soldiers are well well equipped to uh, to deal with uh, pandemic yeah. viral pandemics, do not
2: I I read that they're 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 immune. I think because
1: they have faith in Jesus. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, but one thing that the Americans seem to be forgetting is uh, in 1918, um, the Spanish flu came to the U.S. from troops fighting in Europe Mm -hmm. in World War One. So you know they're sending 3,000 troops into this you know Ebola-infested area and region, and then. Remember the law of
1: intentions producing their opposites. When you have a as you do across the entire Western world, if not the entire planet, everything they do will produce the opposite of what they disaster. Yeah, absolutely. And it's getting to the point where it almost seems like it's deliberate. Like someone is deliberately taking action. Some, Some of these elites are deliberately... Implementing policies or taking uh, decisions to make things worse, you know, because otherwise they're completely insane. You know, they've lost all sense of reason and logic, even even in their own interest. You know, I mean, the the sanctions in Russia is an example. Um, they want to contain... Generally speaking, they want to contain a population of country, right? They want them to be uh, quiet and obedient. Yet they pass they they force these sanctions on Russia, and obviously Russia is going to respond. It's going to have a negative effect on European citizens, who are then going to have a problem with it and get out in the street and demonstrate. So they get exactly what they want, and it's only two or three steps that is eminently foreseeable. So either they are completely idiotic, they're completely, you know, they've just lost all sense of, uh, you know, reason and ability to think one or two steps ahead, uh, or they're doing it deliberately for some unknown reason because they want chaos, they want they want riots in the street, they want everything shaken up. I think the first up. option is scarier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah potential for disaster, even worse. Um, what's happening in Iraq? The French are apparently involved in airstrikes. Just like that. No declaration of war. Uh, the U.S. is saying say? there will be no ground troops, mm-hmm. although they're having this phony debate again just to get people ready for it, probably. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, they just sent 600 Australian troops the imperial forces of the south into Iraq. So that's basically the same thing. The U.S. has sent more grand troops to Iraq. Do you realize how far we've come? People need to take stock of just how far we've come uh, from even you you know 50, 30, 40, 50 years ago. I mean like you just said France has effectively gone to war and the U.S. is already there. Um with and no, issued a press release after the fact. After the fact, with no uh, notification to, you know, official notification to politicians or the people of the country. Like 30 or 40 years ago, there was a slow build-up to a war. There was all sorts of cyber-rattling, et cetera, et cetera. The population were brought on board. There may even have been actual cursions or threatening maneuvers by the enemy of the day that would have precipitated the war. So it was a long process. Today... An example of just how far we've come today, all that's necessary, probably actually nothing is necessary. They just go and do it. I mean, people need to realize that. But the only thing that they did was to get uh, some guy to stage a beheading video and to spread it around the Western media. That's all you need these days. Yeah. It takes you know a few hours uh, with a camera in the desert. And a hostage boom. There's your there's your cause or your rationale for war. You don't even ask the people. You just assume that they're all a bit terrified by it. And off you go war, you don't tell that you don't. In the old days, you used to actually declare war and you used to do on the radio and announce it to people that we are now at war and blah 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 blah. Now it's just off you go, start bombing it. That's ten years ago. France was against the invasion. I know. Ten years ago, it's been infiltrated by a bunch of. Psycho, Zionazi, not nutjob. Hollande's popularity is at a new record low. No, that's another thing. <laughs> he Thir- beat is his it? own record, which was the record. <laughs> 13% or less? I think it's less. Well, it's, th- it's, th- it's 13% or less, and you have this president of France who has 13% approval rating, taking off, giving the order, supposedly, to bomb a country, bomb another country. I mean, they've obviously just don't caution their wings. They don't care anymore. They're absolutely disinterested. They have they've dropped pretense of caring about what people think. It is a complete and utter dictatorship. It is in in everything. What name? Yeah, it is a dictatorship in Western Europe. And idiot Ukrainians still want to join. The same day. France announced. Oh, retrospectively, <clears throat> by the way, we've been conducting airstrikes in northern Iraq. This is this is the first, as far as I know. Um, Belgian police arrested several people planning a terrorist attack on European Commission headquarters in Brussels. Hang on, yeah. So there. Hang on a second. Do we have a call on the line?
3: Yeah, this is hello. Kent, in West Virginia. Yeah, hi. This is Kent in okay. West Virginia.
1: Uh, hey, Kent. Welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, you were talking hi. earlier about the. Uh, hi, you were talking earlier about the uh, the outbreak of Ebola, and I've been reading um, a guy here in, in the states who's who's theorizing that um, um, the s- countries that are being targeted uh, Sierra Leone, Liberia, and maybe it's getting into Nigeria and everything. He's saying that that is sort of a um, you know how various places around the world are having these uprisings, color revolutions, or um, uh, springs, and all this stuff that are theorized to be um, done to uh, subvert the government when they're not cooperating with uh, you know who. And he's theorizing that this is these countries in Africa are getting very cozy with the Chinese, who are uh, you know are actually probably maybe doing some beneficial good in the country instead of just looting them. And he's theorizing mm-hmm. that they're being targeted with this Ebola, you know, I don't know whether I don't know whether you have any thought, have heard anything about that, or if you know where, you know, I don't know where China is, and you know, I knew that there's a conflict over there. You know, they're mm-hmm. you know they're making some headway into you know um, treating the people better than what the West has done, I guess. So
1: yeah, I don't know absolutely. whether that's just a theory. I think it's it's a very plausible theory because I mean, there's no reason to believe that. Uh, the U.S. government is concerned at all about Ebola or the spread of Ebola or the plight of Africans who are suffering from Ebola. If they're in Africa, in Sierra Leone uh, and elsewhere, uh, you can bet your ass they're doing it for strategic or interest reasons that have nothing to do with Ebola. And, yeah, China is has been for quite a long time making inroads into Africa and establishing kind of business deals in Africa. And they want troops on the ground uh, when they say they're sending 3,000 soldiers, you can bet that you know several hundred of them are all intelligence operatives and people with with that uh, you know remit in the country.
3: Oh yeah, and uh, well, you can imagine those um, you know <laughs> boots on the ground clomping around, you know, just carrying disease here, there, and everywhere. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're, they're they're not the yeah they're not the, they're not known for being. Um, Flight anywhere they go. So the yeah,
0: doctors. So yeah.
3: yeah, and then of course, then there's um, that one village where they, the doctors and the, the they killed them. They killed them all because maybe they knew what was going on. Maybe the rumors on the ground yeah. in those countries that when the help comes, kill the help, you know, or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, Nothing so, to lose. Yeah. All, all right,
3: right. Well, I just thought I'd add in. All right, thanks.
1: Yeah, Ken. Thanks. For, thanks for your call. Thanks, yeah. Bye. Well, the one drawback—if that's a way to get boots on the ground—aren't there easier ways to do it? I mean, remember Coney twenty twelve. Well, remember well. the Nigerian. Uh, was it Nigeria, Boko Haram yeah. kidnapped girls? Well, that's all, it. was that, that, a real that, event, but they made this media campaign out of the yeah, justified but, U.S. presence. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah, that's that's more difficult than uh, simply Obama saying, you know, we need to take a the front line in this fight against Ebola, so I'm sending 3,000 troops. They're just
2: taking advantage of the opportunity. It's pretty easy. Yeah,
1: at the very least, taking advantage of... The least part... At least part. But that's how they see it. That's just... just... Uh, it's no surprise. I mean, disaster capitalism, any crisis, real or imagined, yeah. presents an opportunity to profit. They really do see Ebola, which a normal human being looks at with horror, they see it as an opportunity. It's... They are so sick... Um, I want to come back to ISIS. ISIS. Well, actually, ISIS is, is now a thing of the past. I mean, if they are launching airstrikes, ISIS is done. It could be done. I mean, if they choose to, they can just wipe them off the map in both Syria and Iraq. So with ISIS gone, who are they going to have? Wait a minute. We can't remove ISIS. Q right on time. Four hours ago, the New York Times announced that a new terrorist group is on the horizon called Korosan, mm. K-H-O-R-O-S-A-N, I don't know if they're there. Neither does anyone else, but an anonymous U.S. law enforcement official warns that it's being led by a shadowy figure who was once among a bin Laden's mm-hmm. inner mm-hmm. circle, mm-hmm. and he posed a more direct threat to Europe and America than ISIS ever would. American officials said this group called Khorasan had emerged in the past year from a cell in Syria that may be the most intent of all of them of hitting the United States or its installations overseas. Uh, uh, uh. They said it's led by Mushin Uh, al-Fadli, a senior al-Qaeda operative who was so close to bin Laden, so close, that he was among a small group of people who knew about the September 11th attacks before they were even launched. But he, get this, right? He's supposed to have been a senior operative in 2001. They say his present age is 33. Yeah. He's a precocious child. What was he, 12? <laughs> he's a precocious child. child genius terrorist. A child genius terrorist, yeah. Um, yeah, where do they get him from? Well, it just, uh, you, know, if, if, you know, you'd have to make it up if it wasn't real. So. Just make it up? It's me up um, but it's very real for people on the ground. Absolutely, it's absolute yeah. It's chaos. So 60,000 people have crossed over into Turkey. Uh ah, in the last day. I reckon they're fleeing the bombing. Because they're doing a Kosovo here where they blamed Serbia for a million people fleeing Kosovo. And, and actually that happened once NATO bombing started. I reckon mm-hmm. the same thing. Turkey's involved now, fighting in Syria. It's just a complete honor. And, uh,
2: well, you know, along with all the crazy war stuff going on, we've got Ebola, we've got Iraq, Syria, Ukraine, uh, we've got the weather. but um, It seems when things go weird, everything goes weird. It's been happening a lot lately, and just in the past week or so, there have been even more strange animal behaviors and attacks. This has been going on for a while now, but just in the past week, uh, I was reading through the headlines, and just a few kind of stuck stuck out for me. Three-year-old boy in Brooklyn. That was that was actually on August twenty-first. A rat attack. A rat attack. A rat. Yeah, he was sleeping, and rats attacked him and just started biting his
1: face. That's not something you hear about every day. Rats generally don't attack human beings. Children. Sleeping children. children.
2: An Austrian hunter uh, attacked by his own hunting dog. He had to. He got attacked by it and he had to shoot it. So he killed his dog. It just again strange. Bear attacks. There have already been four deaths in the, in North America from bears. Usually there's around two each year. And Putin. It's Putin, yeah. And there have been and uh, there's been a lot of there's an increase in bear attacks in Russia as well. And uh, in Alaska um, a nine foot bear tried to get into this one man's home. He shot it. There's pictures of it. Um there's been giant cat attacks all over the place, elephant attacks, deaths from elephants in Sri Lanka. There have been several this past, in just this whole year, actually. A riled-up cougar was shot on the streets in Calgary, Alberta. A riled-up what? Cougar. Cougar. Giant cat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not the other kind of cougars. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was also uh, a musk ox. Attack or something. They, they were this, this ox was just going crazy around these hunters, and they shot like warning shots at it, and it kept, just kept barging at them, charging at them. And this again is extremely these animals strange have, behavior. have been watching
1: what's going on on the planet. Yeah. and Are just so uh, pissed off at the idiocy of the average human being
0: that they're just,
1: they are just maybe they're rising take, up. Can't take it anymore. They're rising up to take over, like Animal Farm. If only it's a world revolution. The animals. Well, no! Seriously, you—the whole biosphere going nuts. This is part and parcel. Absolutely, yeah. It is. It's all. It's all just. You know, it's hard every day to to face into it and to to keep your humor in the face of it. Um, I think you're, really you're doing pretty to, well, Joe. No, sense of humor. <laughs> this is emergency operating room humor. Um, <laughs> It's because you know, you're know kind of faced with a choice of uh, just finding the energy to continue to look at it and uh, try and spell out how it's all basically a lie. Uh, the vast majority of stuff that's in the news is all, uh, all the major stories are all lies. Um, you know, the, I get this impression of, of, and trying to wear people down, and depending on who the person is, the people trying to kind of bring some truth to the situation are being worn down by the, the repeated, uh, you know, repeatedly projecting or catapulting, as George W. Bush would have said, the propaganda, you know, over and over and over again. You know, if in doubt, produce another ISIS beheading movie. Uh, you know, they just and once you've said that a few times, once you've pointed out the 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 falseness of the of the situation and the manipulation involved and then you're forced to do it again and again and again for people doing that it gets kind of tiring you know, and you start to wonder whether you're actually, there's any point you know, and then for the ordinary person in the street, they're just uh, they're kind of being subjected to kind of Pavlovian dog treatment, where they're just being shocked, you know, by these things over and over again by wars and rumors of wars and you know bad things happening on the planet at the point where people just throw up and say, "Well, and they've probably done this a long time ago to say, "Well, that's also what messed, can I do about that's it? It's also myself, I can't do anything about it, so just ignore it you know uh, and that makes it then difficult for us to try and reach those people because it's kind of being switched off by this ramping up of just the chaos and the madness and the lies and the propaganda, and the just extreme. Uh, I don't know what the word is for it, uh, it's just it's disgusting what they do, you know I mean when we look at all the different areas of what these people in power are doing and the choices that they're making, I can't think of any other word <laughs> it's just disgusting, it disgusts me that so-called human beings would engage in this kind of activity, you know, uh, where Ultimately, they're destroying the planet in one way or another, and they're increasingly attacking and killing ordinary, ordinary civilians uh, to be used against the survivors, like elsewhere in the in the West, in the USA, and elsewhere around the world, to to be used to better program them to, to be to better deceive them. You know, in the case of MH17, you know, I mean that's such a despicable thing to do. You know, I mean simply for the purpose of 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 progressing or uh, furthering their geopolitical strategy, which is basically just more money and control and power for them. They want to demonize and bring down Russia in the eyes of Western populations. And to do that, they murder 298 innocent people on a plane and blame Russia and provide no evidence. And then the evidence that is available, that points directly to them, they ignore it. And bring out an ISIS video and say, oh look, scary man cut ahead of another Westerner, aren't you scared? And then they steal the Scottish election and tell everybody that they're, yes, you all did the right thing by voting to stay within the corrupt, evil, psychopathic United Kingdom. When the vast majority of them voted to say, screw you. I mean, yeah. what, what do you say to that kind of a situation? You just walk away from it, hmm? Uh, I mean, there's nothing to be done. No. Except to kill them all and let God sort them out. Hey, yeah, but you don't need to do any of the killing. Oh, I well, know. I wouldn't. <laughs> so I've done uh done the enemy. <laughs> no. well, I think
2: that's really what it comes down to is, is the psychopathy. All the, I think all the geostrategic things going on, it's just a cover for what is essentially, a bunch of sadists. Yeah, one. one you know, um, one of the things I forgot to mention on the subject of Ukraine was um, they've been having these prisoner exchanges going on the past couple of weeks in uh, in accordance with the ceasefire. And uh, you can find interviews with the the people who've been released, um, given their testimony of what happened to them. And there's just one guy, who says he was he was only in, in captivity for a few weeks. Um, and they ask him, "Oh, were you, were you tortured?" And he says, "Yeah, of course." And they say well, what what did they do to you? Well, they branded him. They burnt him on on his chest. They burnt, burnt the, the word separatist, and they branded a swastika on his buttocks and lower back. And then he actually he showed the scars. And then they they interviewed a woman who I think was from the same group, and she's um, looks middle aged, maybe in her 50s. She was arrested for doing humanitarian work. She was bringing food to, the, to cities like Slavyansk, and they arrested her, called her a terrorist. She said, uh, both of them said they'd put these people in pits, chain them in pits, and there was a minefield close by, and what they'd do to the to the prisoners they didn't like, they'd uh, still chained, they'd tell the people to run through the minefield. If they didn't want to, they'd shoot the ground to make them run, and of course they run through the minefield, and guess what happens? This woman had said that, and she had a witness with her, someone who was in captivity with her. The guards had offered the man who was with her to rape her in order to secure his release and um he didn't thank god, but there were they were saying that rape is pretty common, so there are women, um civilians, men, militiamen, all in captivity. And that's what the, these people are doing. They're not even people. They, you know, they've been they've been torturing these people with the the, the branding of the word separatist is apparently pretty common, and he was the only one.
1: Does anybody think that it's a coincidence that those are the people unleashed by the U.S. State Department mm-hmm. and their European cronies? There's no coincidence. No, it's like they spawned them. Mm-hmm. It's like they're it's it's their children. That those those people who do that those kind of things. That Harrison just described—that is the nature. The nature of those people is exactly the same nature as your vaunted elected leaders. Mm-hmm. Remember them exactly. passing around photos of Abu Ghraib among themselves. Yeah. Or enjoyment. They're sick, sick, sick individuals. That's how bad the situation. And they rule the world. They, they 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 sit in in judgment over us all, supposedly, and people accept it. People just, well, they don't even accept it. They don't even know about it. They don't even bother to inform themselves because it's too scary. So, yeah. So, like, a Hitler, basically, given what we know about Hitler and what people think about Hitler, a Hitler is now in power uh, over you and your choice is to ignore it. And what? Hope it'll get better? That's more or less what people in the West are doing. It doesn't affect them. It will affect them. That's the point. I mean, if any of them even, you know, any of them bothered to even sit up and take notice. And the point is, I'm not talking about conspiracy theories and deep research and all that kind of stuff. I'm just talking about the stuff that people can see, the stuff that is available. Because now more than ever before, the true nature of these people is apparent. Um public speeches in what they say compared to what they do and all of their actions. And all people have to do is just consider their own conscience or their own sense of what's right and wrong. And they realize that these people are very much wrong. They're very much evil people. I mean, there's an awful lot of people who can come to that conclusion and who I think know that in the back of their mind. But there's an almost immediate response to that awareness to ignore it. And that's what I'm saying. It's more or less like they're aware that Hitler has come to power and they're going to just say, well, what can you do? We'll just hope it'll be all right. In the knowledge of what kind of a person Hitler is. Well, people, I mean, how can anybody complain when they get what is obviously going to happen in such a situation? You can't complain. Yeah. Such is the state of the world... Yeah, this September 21st, 2014. Well, there might be some good news next week, you know. Ebola might spread all <laughs> oh, around the world. And you know. And consume all the scum. Consume the scum, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and if that does happen, well, you know, we'll talk about it next week. Um, but for this week... Because we'll, we'll still be here. Yeah, we'll still be here. Well, yes, exactly, because I'm on a keto diet. I don't need any carbs, any sugar. Doing your because cold everybody adaptation. knows I'm doing my cold adaptation because everybody knows that Ebola, does. Ebola likes sugar and warm water. So get in a cold shower. Don't eat too many carbs. You'll be here for the big show. Coming soon. Okay, I know you. All right, folks, we'll leave it there for this week. Um, thanks to our listeners and our callers and our chatters. Um, As I said, we will be back next week with another show, and Harrison will be here as well next week to talk about all sorts of all all sorts of interesting things. Rock on! Till then, have a good one. All right, see you next week. Bye. Bye.